This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Non-Air Never podcast, I'm Jamie Smith and joining me this week are Natalie and Kevin to talk about a win at Turf Moor, Burnley 2-1 victors over Everson thanks to a very, very dramatic last minute goal from Scott Arfield, the first time we've ever scored in the last minute of a Premier League game, apparently. Um, tough one to analyse this Natalie because I, I don't feel like we played well at all but a result that we would certainly have taken before the game. Um, absolutely. Um, I, I've never been <laughs> so delirious um, for such a poor performance before. I mean, we struggled against this Everton side. Let's be realistic here. We, I am absolutely delighted with the win and there are a lot of positives to take from the game, which no doubt we can come on to soon. But as a general feeling for the game, I thought we, I just thought we played a little negatively at times. I thought we struggled to get... Um, anything created up front I thought we were just basically you know hoofing long balls up vaguely in the direction of Sam Vox and there then, were a lot of long balls particularly yeah. in the second half we really we had our, our backs to the wall for most of the game so but they didn't panic so let's you know let's move on to the positives from this game they didn't panic they didn't um you know they didn't make too many errors Um, they didn't particularly capitalise on some errors from Everton either but you know they they stayed in the game and and it was nice to see that even at 1-1 when they had an opportunity to try and get forward they did do that and that's how we ended up with the goal in the first place I think that's a good point I think um, I I think Everton had settled by that point I think they'd done everything they felt they could missed a few chances not taken Opportunities, Heaton was in good form, and I feel like they decided that point was a good result at that point. And yeah, you're right. We thought we'd have one good crack at an attack and scored from it, which is effective football, I suppose. Um, Kevin, I don't know about you, but when I saw the team, obviously we were expecting Defoe to be out, um, Gray was suspended, turned out Boyd was injured after last week as well. I didn't see that team getting any sort of result. And also, Dash, before the game, already seemed to be making excuses, talking about injuries that people had. Yeah, um, and I, I think certainly when we saw that, that Boyd was out and Kitely was coming in, 
Um, I, I, I was, I was surprised that we we didn't bring Bamford in at that point. Uh, I think it, that's that for me shows that Bamford is, is never, is certainly never going to start a game for us unless we have lots and lots of unavailability up front. And when we get the likes of uh, Gray uh, and Barnes back in, I'd, I'd surprised if if Bamford even gets these uh, two minute cameos he gets at the end. If we can, if he can't get in the team with. With Gray Barnes, um, Defoe, and and George Boyd out, then that's it for for, for Bamford's chance to turf more. But um, I yeah, I think I was I was I was the same. I thought you know looked at the squad of the team and thought, oh, you know this is this is where I was starting to think you know this shows where we we really lack that strength in depth. We've got you know a decent enough first eleven. Uh, obviously, there's some some areas we'd like to be improved. Um, but it, it, we've got a strong enough decent uh, first eleven. But once you go away from that, um, I, 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 you know, I, I'm not a fan of Michael Kiley at all in the Premier League. I don't think he's a Premier League quality player at all. But all that, all, all, having said all that, we, you know, okay, it wasn't the, a, a vintage performance, but it was a very effective performance. I think in that we've we've come away with a, with a fantastic victory. So. Um, you know, I can't compl- can't complain too much with uh, with the team because at the end of the day, all the all the players right there did the business. Yeah, I, f- I find it really tricky because, like I said at the start, I don't think we played well, and I think Everton probably deserved even to win. Certainly, I think um, Ronald Koeman was complaining that football's unfair afterwards, and I think he was right to be honest. We've had games this season that we've not got the points we deserved, and I think that was the case for Everton today. I think a draw would probably just about did enough to get a draw, but if Everton had won the game, taking the chances that they had, I don't think we could really have complained about it. Um, Natalie, individual performances though at the back again, Michael Keane I thought was very, very impressive. A lot of people impressed with Ben Mee, although he did make that mistake for the goal, and Tom Heaton continued his fantastic form from last weekend at Southampton. Yeah, he did. I, I've been really impressed with our with our um, defence. I, I loved them last season, and I thought they did very, very well, and very much contributed to one of the reasons why we won the championship championship last year. But more importantly, I've been really impressed to see how they've settled into Premier League life. They are they just look so composed at the back, and the five of them together play very, very well. Um, I still have some reservations about Matt Loughton, but I think he did all right today, actually. I think he you know, he handled himself pretty well. A couple of nervy moments, but he made some really good interceptions in places and, and some really good sensible clearances when he needed to. So, you know, defensively, I think we are really, really good. And I think it will be um, a contributing factor to us staying up if we manage to this season. But the, the key elements of the game that we need to improve on are our attacking options all that we did today was just just pile balls forward and what that does is Premier League sides don't miss opportunities the good ones don't miss opportunities to pick up a loose ball from midfield and we've seen that so much this season so all that happens is is that they get possession back and a whole new wave of attack starts again and you are inviting so much pressure onto us. So as good as the defence are, and as well as they're playing, they are just having to soak up constant pressure. Yeah, Dash talks about fine margins a lot, doesn't he? And I think today was was one of those where that was really evident. There were a couple of moments. Um, Michael King got a touch on uh, a ball that looked to be going right to Lukaku six yards out. I think if he doesn't get that touch, Lukaku scores, or he, he could easily put it into his own net a couple of blocks that were goal-saving blocks and 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I think, you know, you, you've got to think about um, last season we talked on the podcast a lot about how the way we play is very unattractive. Um, we talked about how despite being uh, the best team in the league, winning the league, actually a lot of the time we were not very a lot of fun to watch. A lot of, a lot of games were quite um, just quite um, difficult on difficult visually, but not very enjoyable games and we'd just grind out results. Um, and that's when we were the best team in the league. So when we're one of the worst teams in the league, which obviously we're going to be this season, that's just going to be exacerbated. I don't think we can go from um, having unattractive uh, football when we're the best team to then becoming um, you know, beautiful Barcelona-esque when we're one of the worst teams. Um, so I think it's really important to take that into account. I think the way we play and the way we set up makes us look a lot worse uh, kind of creatively than we are, I think. Um, that said... Um, you know, we are clearly lacking some areas. I think, obviously, Dice would have liked to have brought in um, another winger um, in the summer, uh, which he tried to do and failed. I think that would have made a big difference. Um, and you know, we've, we've still got the likes of Andre Gray to come back in the team and Ashley Barnes, both players who offer, uh, I think, very different options up top. So we've got some different things we can do there. So I think there are improvements to make and hopefully we'll, we'll go back in for another another wide player in, in January as well so although I think you know yeah definitely there are some areas for concern with in terms of the way we, we, we build play, play for going forward I think there are things to look forward to as well and also considerations to take in but you know I don't think it's it's 100% that we're just a bad team um, I think there are also it's also partly just the way we set up yeah I think that's fair uh... I thought it was quite interesting today that we had a couple of players in the team that have barely started this season. I feel I think that hadn't started for a month. Tightly, it's his first league start of the season, I think. Um, Natalie, I find Arfield's performance really, really hard to assess because watching it live, I was under the impression that he'd had a really bad game. I think I said stinker on Twitter, which was maybe a bit harsh in hindsight. But looking at the stats, it seems like he actually did quite well and came up with the goal at the end. Um, but social media was full of people saying that he should have been taken off as a substitute because he was on the brink of being sent off. It was really, really hard to know what to make of our it's field today. so hard. Do you know what? This whole game tonight, and I'm, I'm finding myself genuinely struggling with this podcast a little bit just because... Everything about me wants to just come on this podcast and just still be like, ah, oh my God, we did it. I can't believe we got a point and just be jumping up and down and incredibly happy. But then the flip side, I'm like, oh, but God, we played so bad. <laughs> and then we've also got other things to do. So this is a really, really hard um It's weird, isn't it? I mean, like, it's we were really gusted weird. after Arsenal because we played brilliantly and got nothing. And yeah. this time we played pretty mediocre exactly. and got all three points. But, and I think I think your analysis of how Arfield played today just sums that up perfectly because he was the epitome of, of exactly what was the weirdness about today. I agree with you as well in that when I was watching the game, I was like, oh, God, Arfield's having an absolute stinker here. And this is like, this is really, really tough. And then I was of the same opinion that he should have been taken off um, just because he, he wasn't effective at all. And plus as well, to be fair, he looked absolutely knackered at the end. And he that's because he did put a shift in. So let's be very clear, he, he worked very, very hard, even if some of that play wasn't particularly effective. But then, like you say, when we 
are presented with the stats from the game, you think, well, actually, he's you know he he only he only missed what three, four? Did you say, Jamie, of his passes? Uh, and you think, oh God, actually, that's... Yeah, my maths is really bad, but I reckon it must have only been a couple of times. I've, I mean, it's, it's a challenge that we face all the time. And, it, it, you know, we sometimes get feedback on, on social media or through our email about the difference of opinions. And we can only give our opinion on a podcast. of It's a very subjective opinion as a podcast. It's how we feel. It's what our assessment of a game is. We're always going to have people who, who disagree. I mean, there was um, there was people around me today, for example, who were absolutely ripping Ben Mee to pieces and saying that he was like, he should not ever play in the Premier League and he's a disgraceful player. I thought, apart from his mistake from the goal, I thought he had another really solid game. And I think he's settling into Premier League football really, really comfortably. So, you know, we have to be careful. And this is a really interesting podcast for me because we are going to divide opinion on this game. There will be people out there who will criticise us for trying to pick holes in the game when we've just got a great three points. But, you know, we have to be realistic here. It's a long old season. There are going to be people who say Ben Mee should never play again or Ben Mee was brilliant. Um, I, I had actually, um, it just goes to show it's not just from inside the ground as well. Um, my boss just texted me about half an hour ago. He's a huge Everton fan, which I'd, I'd kind of put to the back of my mind until <laughs> after the game. I thought, oh, this is going to be an interesting Monday morning. But he said he's read an article where... The, the one national press article had said that Tom Heaton was head and shoulders above the man of the match, which suggests that um, Everton absolutely created a gazillion chances and Heaton was having to rescue us. And actually, I don't remember Heaton having to save that many goals. I think he, you know, he saved a couple. He had a really good save as well from um, a shot from us quite a way out. Seven saves, which is quite a lot for a Premier League game, but compared to last week, it's hardly any. <laughs> I think many of those, I think loads of those saves actually came in the first kind of five, ten minutes. I think Everton started quite strongly. and Yeah, there were three in ten minutes. Well, one was yeah. in the second minute. That I think was probably the most important. So obviously if you go behind after about 80 seconds of the game, I think then it's a totally different match. Yeah. It just didn't feel like we were... It felt like we were under the cosh in terms of possession. But I think for a lot of the possession that Everton had, I don't think... It, it certainly didn't feel like the Arsenal game did. You know, Arsenal, it just it felt like they were going to score at every, every opportunity. It just didn't feel like that today for me. There were a couple of times when I don't think Everton really made the most of, of the openings that they had. So I think um might have been Balassi went down the left... And Lukaku's unmarked six yards out, the right ball and it's tapping, and the cross is overhit. And that's a really good chance, but statistically it probably doesn't go down as a chance because they didn't get a shot away, but a better ball, and that, that's easily a goal. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, probably coming off the back of the Southampton game when they had so many shots and Heaton had so much to do that um, a mere seven saves probably sounds like he's had quite a quiet day, although... I still think he was one of our, our better performers overall. Um, Kevin, not just Kylie and Arfield who played, who we've barely seen, though. Uh, Tarkovsky came on in midfield, more by having nobody else to play there. And also John Flanagan came on at left-back for Stephen Ward, whose injury hopefully isn't too serious. And I thought Flanagan, although he only played a few minutes, was actually really impressive. He was very positive on the ball, wanted to get forward. And I think he added something a bit different. Yeah, definitely, and uh, it's quite fitting that he, he came on against Everton as well, obviously yeah. on loan from, from Liverpool. 
he offered something something different. Like you said, I think he was he was very positive on the ball going forward. Uh, he looked a lot more composed. Obviously, the only other time we've seen him was Aquinton when I thought he looked a bit like a headless chicken in that match. Uh, but he was very composed both on and off the ball. He looked very switched on. It looks like he's got very good uh, good good football in mind. And obviously, we, we, he didn't get uh, we didn't get to see him for too long. Uh, but when the time comes when we do get to see him uh, play for a little bit longer. Um, uh, I, 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 from what I saw today, I've got a lot of confidence in what he can bring to the team. Um, obviously, it's a shame for him to come in through injury, but um, we hope that Stephen Ward, um, his injury isn't too severe because I feel like he had an excellent game as well. Um, but if he, if he's, if he's, if it isn't a serious injury, then I, I'm very confident with uh, Flanagan coming in after what he showed today. Yeah, I think that's that's the important thing that he played a few minutes and didn't look like you say in the Stanley game when he looked massively off it didn't look like that at all and I think if anything it was probably an improvement award today albeit off a very very small um, little cameo of I think it was what 10 minutes or something um, Natalie Tarkovsky in midfield is, is something a few people have put forward as an idea although I think Tarkovsky himself said in a Q&A that he's never really played there Um I've got to say, I didn't notice him that much when he came on, but he had, what, half an hour or so in midfield. How do you think he got on today? I thought he was really good, actually. Um, I think he... It was it was a very, very difficult circumstance for him to come onto the pitch because it, it, his, his appearance and the only way he could play almost in front of the back four, um, it was just... It changed the formation and it changed the dynamic of the game. But he came on and he looked pretty comfortable when he came on. And he obviously had one job to do. I think he was just marking Lukaku all the time. Um, because if you if you watched him and followed him off the ball, he, he didn't make any attempts to attack or look at anybody else. I think Deitch had brought him on just to man-mark him. And at the point we were 1-1, um, it felt like Deitch was doing anything he could to try and protect a point, um, which would have been a, a, a vital point if we'd have only got one. It would have been really... Sorry, not a vital point. It would have been a bonus point if we'd have got that. We didn't really expect anything from the game. Um, I'm personally a huge fan of Tarkovsky. I think he... I think he's quite a, a subdued player. He, he just... From what I've seen of him, he just comes on, does what he needs to do. He's not fanfare. Yeah, he's not he's very not... flashy, is he? No, he isn't. He's a he's a really solid defender, and he just comes in, does what he's told to do, and goes again. You know, when we had to play him away at Chelsea, was it when he just had to come on and, and play in midfield? He just kind of shrugged and got on with it. And there's a lot to be said in the modern game about a very unassuming player like that who just grafts. So yeah, I think I think he did great, and and I I have no problem. I think if we if we do, actually not if, when we do inevitably lose Michael Keane, I, I'm not overly concerned because I think he will be able to slot in. I think we've got some real quality on the bench there. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the, the position where we do have the the best depth in that Tarkovsky, I think, was probably signed with an eye on Keane being sold at some point in the future. I'm a bit surprised he hasn't played with Keane, but I think um, when Keane does go... Tarkovsky will be an excellent player. He was only actually on for 20 minutes today. I don't know why I thought he was on for so much longer. Um, I don't know if that's a, a good thing <laughs> or a, a bad thing for, for Tarkovsky's performance today. Um, Kevin, one one slight concern, although an excellent result. The home form's excellent with 10 points from, what is it, five home games or something, is that all the points have come from home. Um and we're going to have to start getting something away, otherwise there's just going to be so much pressure on the home games. It's starting to feel a bit like the Owen Coyle season, where we had these good results at home, 
but just kept getting battered on the road. Yeah, it is, yeah. I've obviously, I think like we said last week, we, we have played some very good teams away from home. Um, and it, it, that continues in the next match as well um, with uh, Minos, Manchester United. Um, but, we, you know, it's, I think we'll be able to see a little bit more when we play some of the more... Um, some of the more mediocre um, teams who are more around us in the table uh, away from home. That's going to be the real test because if we continue to um, struggle against the, the, the likes of the likes of Hull, Middlesbrough, the other teams who are down at the bottom, then that's that's when it's going to be more cause for concern. Um, it's, I think it's a little bit difficult to judge our performances away from home when we've played the, the caliber of teams that we have. That said, the, the difference is striking. You know, there's for like with, with the, the performances against teams like Arsenal and, and Everton and Liverpool at Turf Moor uh, have been very, very different to team performances against similar-ish um, opposition um, away from home. So it's I, I'm not sure it's time to, to panic or get too concerned quite yet. Um, but maybe in a few weeks' time when we've played some more teams uh, who are a, a little bit more like us, we'll be able to judge a little bit more how how that's going to be as a theme throughout the season yeah I think it's it's probably more a, a medium term problem than a, a short term problem I mean yeah we probably don't expect to get much from the United game next weekend that we'll come on to at the end of the <laughs> we'll come on to at the end of the podcast as always but yeah we're going to have to start getting something away from home soon I think um, Natalie Dash said a couple of times earlier in the season that uh, he felt like luck would start to even itself out I suppose today probably shows that that has been the case a little bit. We're all yeah. really chuffed to get a win, but <laughs> again, I, I don't think we really deserved it. And I think Everton will certainly be watching the tape of that game and thinking, how how, how, did, how, we lose? how did we lose that match? <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I can't imagine that any Burnley fan watching any highlights or reflect on today's game will care in the slightest that we didn't, we, you know, we didn't. Um, no, exactly. I'm quite looking so. forward to seeing the highlights. Quite yeah, honest, exactly, oh, they yeah. should have scored there. Oh, they should have scored there. I was like, oh, and that one as well. Goodness. Especially when it's comfortable and you know what happens at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Dyche is right. It does even itself out at the end. And it's, it's really hard to take in the roller coaster of emotions that is, is the Premier League. And I think sometimes we're all getting guilty as fans of, of getting a, letting it get to us when those lucky unlucky decisions got against us you know especially with the Arsenal game because it's it's such a long season and it's a horrible league sometimes to play your football in when you are a team like Burnley you're having to scrap for every point and what that does is it, it influences supporters decisions and it makes people very prickly and it makes it hyper it's very you get hyper, very hypersensitive to everything that happens so when something like the Arsenal winner goes against you you know you're you're screaming and you're shouting and you're annoyed and people are arguing with each other and everybody's really annoyed about it and it, but when you get a game like today, you do, you do kind of forget all of those things that have gone on in the background. And you think, oh, well, I don't care. Uh, you know, we, we've we've managed to get a point and we didn't deserve it. And, and we're really happy anyway. So I don't care um, how we didn't deserve it today. Um, I think it's all that's happened today is that we've gone some, won some bonus points, which we weren't expecting. We didn't deserve 
but that's the nature of the game and, and you know we've had it go against us that many times that I, I really don't care I think it would be naive of us not to take some lessons from today and I'm sure Sean Dyche will um just to say well actually we you know again against another side and certainly away from home we will not get away with playing like that we'll get severely punished so there's a lot to learn from it but right now I'm just gonna bask in glory and smugness and not give any hoots whatsoever as to whether or not we just really thought you were going to do a swear there. So, yeah, well <laughs> controlled. <laughs> Kevin, one one impressive performer as well that we haven't mentioned yet, involved in both goals, um, Joanne Good Munson. Very good strike that hit the bar for, for the winner in the end, but it was his touch that freed up the space for Scott Arfield in the build up to the opener, and goalkeeper spilled the shot and Volts had a tapping. But it was two really, really impressive moments of quality that made a big difference for Burnley in the end. And we've not really seen that sort of end product decisiveness from him yet. No, uh, absolutely. And yeah, I think that Arfield almost stole uh, Goodmanson's thunder, really, with, uh, with uh, the winner at the end, because if that had been. Even you know half an inch uh, lower, I think that would have been in and been one of the goals of the season, if not the goals. It was a fantastic, fantastic strike, and he was he can probably catch himself a little bit unlucky that it, it wasn't his goal. But I'm sure he's not complaining too much. Um, and, and similarly for the, for the first goal, that the touch, the little flick on that he had that, that set Arfield free into acres of space was was sublime. It's something what um, I'm looking forward to um, rewinding a couple of times um, when we watch match of the day later on. Um, uh, it, it almost reminded me a little bit of um, knowing of an um, icon, uh, Keith Tracy, who uh, <laughs> who did a um, hashtag what, Keith. Probably, yes, <laughs> probably his only his only positive contribution in his entire Burnley career. Uh, he had a, a, a fantastic flick on a few years ago as well. Uh, he was playing for us, but it was it, again. It was just one of those things where you actually just want to watch. Even not even just watching the goal, you just want to rewind the uh, just that fantastic touch many times. It was, I think he, he it's something we lack in the team actually because he's probably one of the few players we've got who who has really got that creative spark. He can do something a little bit different, um, and hopefully we can now. Start, I think he 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 was he started the season quite slowly. Um, he wasn't poor, but he wasn't outstanding either, um, which is probably. Um, Understandable, you know, he was playing in the worst team in the in the Championship last season. Now he's up in the Premier League, um, but I think slowly, slowly he's been getting better and better each week. And the last few weeks he's been he's been getting a lot better. And obviously, he, we really saw that creative spark from him today. So hopefully, we can now see him continue to grow uh, and have an impact like that on a more regular basis. Yeah, he's going to be a really important player for us this season, I think. And I still think there's a lot more to come from him. Uh, although he was playing for, for Charlton last season and they were pretty poor, his, his raw numbers, goals and assists, was so impressive for the worst team in the league last year. And I don't think he's got a goal or an assist for us yet, so I think um, real direct contributions that lead to goals, I think we're going to see a lot more from Gunn and And if Defoe's missing, I think he's one of the players that can step up and take that sort of leading creativity role. Um, Natalie, just before we start wrapping up and doing Tweet of the Week and looking at Man United... Um, the other results today turned out really important and we got that three points. We would have been just above the drop zone on um, goal difference today with West Ham, Stoke, both winning. Middlesbrough got a point at Arsenal. So although it's early in the season to look at what other teams are doing, we really needed to get a result today because it's kept us above the, the sort of magic 
a point a game sort of ratio yeah. that's going to keep us away from trouble. Yeah, it definitely has. And it was one of those, really, when you look at the table after the game, you kind of have that little, oh, that's a bit of a shame. Like you, you hope yeah, you We, we don't seem to have moved. Like, no. <laughs> normally you'd win a game and go up a couple of places. It's like, exactly. But it, it, you're right, though, Jamie. It's really, really important to make sure that we stay in the hunt. You know, we can't we can't start dropping. If we'd have if that had gone the other way today and we'd have conceded a 90 minute goal, we would have been right back down there again. And you know, it just keeps you above the the, the teams. It puts pressure on other relegation rivals as well. Um, I saw after the game. And uh, it was Liam who who was in the, our guest on the podcast last week had posted um, a comparison between the last Premier League season that we were there two years ago and this season, um, just to show just how much progress we'd made. And and you know whilst you look at the table and you think you know it would have been nice to be a couple of places up, after ten games in the 2014-2015 campaign, we were rock bottom with four points and compare that with after 10 games today and we are um, 14th with 10 points so you can't underestimate that level of progress that we've made here especially as uh, the, the that last season we only ended up going down by a couple of points so um, yeah you're, you're completely right it would have been lovely to have uh, hit the dizzy heights of, of top of mid-table wouldn't it but I'll, I'll take just being miles away from that drop zone for the time being and keep the pressure on the likes of uh, Middlesbrough and Hull and Sunderland who are at the moment and Swansea as well who are at the moment struggling I think that I think that comparison to uh, to the last um, Premier League season is is quite an important one because I think one of the one of the big factors behind us is going down last uh, last time I think was how long it took us to adjust to to Premier League football it was I, I, I can't remember how games how many games it took but it took us a long time for us to get our our first win uh, last time and if you think if we if we continued the, the form after that for the rest of the season we could have maybe stayed up I'm not sure what the numbers are but. Uh, certainly, I think the having a slow start was a big contributing factor to our relegation. So the fact that we've not had that this year, um, you know, most of the team who are playing for us now have already got Premier League experience from from two years ago. That's really, really, really important for us. Um, and if we're to stay up, that's again going to be one of the one of the key factors. Yeah, the goal as well. The, the comparison Natalie was talking about. We've only played nine games, so we've much better. Yeah, sorry, guys. An extra game to come. Although that game is at Man United next weekend, so yeah, we probably won't expect to get too many more points. Right, that goal difference as well. Although we keep getting battered away from home, we're only minus five on goal difference, and there's only Borough below us. They've got a better goal difference, so it's not like we're we're a hole on minus fourteen or something. That's basically another point worse off. So I think everything's looking quite rosy after a fantastic, unexpected win. I don't think many people saw coming, especially when there's sort of the state of our squad today. So I think it really bodes well that we can get results even when key players are missing. And of course, we've got Gray coming back next weekend. Defoe hopefully maybe available again. Barnes on the way back. Lots of reasons to be positive, and we're accused of being negative on the podcast quite a lot. So hopefully we'll put that one to bed for a little while. Um, and I've got no idea what's coming up next because Natalie doesn't tell me what tweet of the week is but it's this time in the podcast when we go to Natalie for Tweet of the Week 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 Indeed and Jamie you know I like to keep you on your toes I hate surprises 
the only time I ever share tweet of the ring, tweet of the week, tweet of the week before um, before the, we start recording is when I've got about twenty five and I need to get Jim's opinion as to which one to use. But this one was um, it was a really good tweet this week, and it was just it's in the spirit of the humour of how everyone felt after that game and, and just going back to how we felt that we didn't really deserve that win today, but we actually don't really care. This week's tweet of the week is from Andy, who tweeted, Everton lucky we had injuries and suspensions, or it would have been much, much more for Burnley. That just made me laugh. I just think it could have been a heavier defeat. So well done, Andy. That was my tweet of the week. I still think James Bird's tweet about I should have taken Alfield off deserves to either way because yeah, I do just too. For bounce. <laughs> it also just means James gets mentioned on the podcast since he's still on his jollies in America. I think he might be back next week. So uh, part time, yeah, James Bird fans. I know you're right there. Good news, he'll be back soon. <laughs> um, moving on then to next weekend's game at Manchester United game at Old Trafford. I think we've already sold out of away tickets that one always a big game although United not had the best starts this season they obviously play Chelsea on Sunday a lot of people will be listening after that Chelsea game so they'll either had a better start to the season or a worse one depending on what happens there um, but I suppose this sort of game Natalie it's a chance to see some of the, the best players in the world and not really expect that much from Burnley a lot of people will be looking forward to seeing like of Pogba Ibrahimovic I'm sure and if we get a result then great but expectations will be will be low for this one yeah that, uh, that's not um no, yeah we're just we're just not gonna get anything are we i think uh, ooh, how do i feel about this my my worry at the moment is is that there's pressure on us to sort out this away form and it's something that national media is already picking up on and saying that our the difference between our home and away form is just massive. We've played um, three games away from home and got absolutely annihilated in all three games, conceded quite a lot of goals and just really not looked like the side that we see. And I think we've said this on the podcast before, when we play at home, especially today, I always come away thinking, we're staying up this season. This does not look like a side that's going down. We will be fine. And then we play away from home and I just think we're going to be down by Christmas. You know, it's really, really, it's like it plays with your emotions. So in one sense, you know, of course we're not looking, you know, the fourth game away from home is another tough away game. And I think you mentioned last week, Jamie, that you'd be more concerned if we were getting beat three or four nil away at Hull or Sunderland, for example. Um, So on paper, you don't expect anything at Old Trafford at all. But I would like us to go out and try and get a win. Deitch, for me, for the last three home um, away games, sorry, seems to have set his side up to just go out and try and get a draw, and it has not worked. In fact, it's failed quite spectacularly. If you're going to get beat anyway and you're going to concede three goals away from home in trying to go for a point, why not just go for it? And a, a side like Old Trafford is the perfect opportunity to because nobody expects you to win. If you That's get true. beat heavily... No one goes there. there. No one goes there and has a real crack at him. Everyone just sits no. in. Exactly. So when you really take it to them, you don't really know what to do. Yeah, I agree. And they are a bit hit and miss, and they have been for a good few seasons now. To be honest, United have been a a poor squad and a poor team in terms of their standards since the last couple of seasons before Ferguson retired. It's just they managed to get him, he managed to get them over the line, and they've been poor for for ages. So, you know, Old Trafford's a very difficult ground, ground to go to, and it's going to be very intimidating. But for me, I just think at some point we're going to have to sort out this away form for just, so just go for it. Why not? You've got nothing to lose. 
Yeah, I suppose. I don't know if it's just not wanting to get, like, absolutely battered, but we've conceded three, three turns in a row, so why much worse? Like, if we go 2-0 down, then then just try and shut up shop and not make it embarrassing. But Yeah, I think it, it's worth having a crack. Like, what's the worst that can happen? We've been losing heavily anyway. Um, one thing that I suppose a lot of people will talk about in the, the next few days, Kevin, is whether Andre Gray comes back into the team. He sent a tweet today um, with a lion caged, basically saying, let me off the leash, I'm ready to go. And I suppose the what Burnley fans want to see is... Gray channeling the the frustration of missing a few games and really putting a positive performance in and not letting all this off the field stuff really distract him. We really want him to just get on with his football now and make up for a bit of lost time. Do you think he's going to go straight back into the team or dash it with a four five one that's been working quite well? What do you think is going to happen next weekend? It's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because obviously the four five one has been working very well, uh, but then also you could say he's been working very well at home. Uh, but not away. So, do we try something different? Um, do we go back to the four four two and try something different away from home? Um, I mean, my initial thoughts were that we'd ease him back into it. Um, obviously, he's he's been in the headlines. He's had a bit of a, a, a torrid time personally. Um, I think, I've, you know, particularly given the way that the team has been working quite well, I thought we'd tease, tease him back into it, uh, giving you know half an hour at the end. And I think that'd be a really good option. Actually, you know, you've got diff- tiring defenders. Um, bringing a player on with, with pace, um, Andre Gray's pace and determination against um, for the last half hour against defenders and maybe a little bit slower and a, a bit more mentally tired that could prove really really effective but um, I, 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 there's been a couple of times that he looks really you know he, this has almost really fired him up um, this, this this time out and seeing the team you know playing without him has really made him want to get out there and and really prove a point. So that, that's something else to take into consideration. Is is do we do we put him straight back in there because he's got that point to prove now. He wants to go out there really hungry. He wants to really show what what he can do on the field and, and make sure that he's he's in the headlines on the back pages rather than the front pages. So that's going to be. I think the mentality of of, of Gray in, in the next well, obviously Dice works with him every day. So the, the mentality that Gray has shown, I think he's going to make, play a big part in. In what Dice does, so like I say, I think I, on a purely um, non-emotional side, I, I think the, the most sensible thing to do is, is is continue with what we are and bring Dice on. Uh, sorry, bring Dice on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sure, of <laughs> <up> that defence, <laughs> Dice in the back four. Oh uh, yeah, uh, and bring Gray on. Um, you know, later on in the game and, until he's and, and then maybe go back to four four two at some point eventually, but. But if if Gray's attitude is that he's so hungry and he thinks he can go out there and really make a point, then that could be a really big asset for him. So for us, so yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. It'd be a, a big call for Dash to make either way. I think. Yeah, I think like even if he's on the bench, he's going to be more hungry. I think it's just if you leave it an hour, we might be two 0 down, and and then there's like there's almost no point bringing him on then because the game's gone. Whereas if you start him. He's still going to have that hunger. I think it's it's going to be a really really big call. I'd be able to understand it if Dash sticks with the four five one. We've done okay without it, although obviously we got battered at Southampton last weekend. But I think four four two is obviously his preferred option. Whenever he's been able to play it, he's pretty much played it all the time. It would be a relatively easy switch. So just put Arfield back on the wing. Kitely drops back to the bench. Gray comes in and is 
pretty much back to the old team, isn't it? Even if uh, Defoe's not available, it's Henrik Marnie midfield. I think that was quite strong. Um, Natalie... This is going to be Deitch's, Sorry, this is going to be Deitch's biggest challenge, I think, this season. How he handles this, I'm, I, I genuinely can't. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, um, yeah. obviously, we've not heard a lot from from Gray, but the, this the tweet that I think we'll put it in the show notes in case you haven't seen it. It does suggest he's really fired up. Yeah, and that it should work in it our favour, but like yeah. he could like lose his head and get sent off after three minutes. There's a lot of different factors and there's a lot of things that could happen. It's certainly going to be um, a subplot to keep an eye on next weekend. What what would you do? Not what do you think Dash is going to do? What what would you do, Dali? God. <laughs> right. So are we assuming that default that everybody's back fit? Um, I, I, no, I would, I would say assume Defoe's out because I think a hamstring is normal. I'm not a doctor, but a hamstring's normally a three-weeker. So I'd be surprised if Defoe's available. Boyd, don't know, because I don't think anyone's said anything about Boyd yet. Oh, my God, this is horrendous. Um... Assume it's the same same squad that's available today, but Gray's available. I would... <laughs> this is going to be. This, this might prove that I just have no idea what I'm talking about. I would. <laughs> You've had a Dar- good run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's just like, "What is this clown talking about?" Um, I would keep the starting lineup as it was today, but swap Vokes for Gray because I think that the four, the four five one formation is just proving to be too good to go back to 4-4-2. I think we look weaker with 4-4-2, especially away from home. So I'm desperately trying to keep that 4-5-1 formation. But, and this is heartbreaking to say it because everybody knows how much I love Sam Box. Sam is not, he's not clinical enough in front of goal for me. And I think with... Scoring back Gray's, to games. He's he's got three goals. He, oh, okay. Today's he couldn't miss. <laughs> That's a bit of a gift. But he's, but he, he just... He just for me he's lacking a little bit of sharpness in front of goal when you when you've got an I guess how I'm looking at this is if you put Vokes and Gray together given a chance and there won't be many chances at Old Trafford who do you think's more likely to take that chance I think Gray's more likely than than Sam especially given how hungry he's going to be since he's been banned so on the basis that I want to keep the four five five one formation that is my option yeah I think. I don't think I'd do that, partly because four five one with Gray at Leicester just didn't function. Oh yeah, that is me. true actually. That um, but we've only seen the four four two at Chelsea, haven't we? Which is Chelsea, so I don't know how much we can learn from that. And it was the first away game of the season, so I think <laughs> there's, a, there's you can argue it in a number of different ways. I think I'd be very tempted to go back to four four two, go back to Gray and Volks, go back to what we know worked last season. Likes to have a real crack at them and try and start with a really good tempo. Don't start like we did against Everton when we nearly gave them a goal after a minute of the game because we were still asleep. Don't do that. Start with a really good tempo, get in the faces, get at them, and just have a real crack. And I think the four four two might be the best way to do that. Um, we'll wrap the podcast up now. Then Kevin, give us a prediction to round off. Then Burnley at Manchester United. These are the sort of games that you you want to get promoted for. You want these experiences. <laughs> I'll say that, we might get beat 5-0 and you don't want those <laughs> Yeah, I think um, given our record of conceding three goals in every away game this season 
Um, I'm going to be I'm going to be very optimistic, and I'm going to go for a two 0 defeat. <laughs> At least it was only two 0 Natalie, I don't know what you're going to do here. Like, didn't you predict a Burnley oh, win, and then I did Burnley no. won? I, I don't understand. <laughs> Last week, I um, put reverse psychology feature on bench because its form was just very, very poor. And I, I think it needed a spell out of the size to reassess its life and decide whether what it wanted to What turnstile did you use? Um, I said I was going to use turnstile 28 and I predicted a win. I did use turnstile 28 and we won. So let's stick with it. Let's see what we do. So I can't go on turnstile 28. That explains how we got all that look in the game, really. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they'll let me in. Um, but I am going <laughs> to predict a Burnley win. I think they will be absolutely on fire after this week's game. I think they'll be up for it. Gray's back. Um, I think he'll go 4-5-1 because I think you're, you're, obviously your choice was rubbish, Jamie, because he didn't agree with mine. <laughs> I think, kind of disagreeing on the podcast. That's not like... <laughs> no respect for the boss. No respect. Um, I'm going to predict a 2-0 win for Burnley. Fair enough. I'm not going to give a prediction because I don't want to end the podcast on saying we're going to get hammered. Bye. <laughs> but that's pretty much it for this week's podcast. Thanks to everyone who's listened. If you've got any feedback, comments, questions, etc., please do get in touch. Email address podcast at net. You can also tweet us at net. And if you haven't listened to our LGBT special, please do so. I think it's episode 131, so you can get that at nonenever dot net slash one three one for that one finally as well thanks to rick who provides the artwork for our podcast you can see that on social media and on the website as well and if you are interested in sponsoring the podcast you can still do that please get in touch via the email address and social media methods i read out about 30 seconds ago but that's it for this week thanks to natalie and kevin for joining me as well i've been jamie smith this has been the known and ever podcast and we'll be back next week goodbye Everson didn't build their attacks properly. I assume that's phone. <laughs> Don't know what else it could be. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.